Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from co-pastor Elaine Lofton. Can anything good come from bad? Can anything good come from bad? And the scripture that I'm using to base this on is scripture is, comes from John 1, 46. And that's where it talks about where Nathaniel asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now I'm going to go into more detail about that. But I want you to, I'm just going to pause there and I want you to think about that. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from bad? You know, in life, you hear, now keep in mind, like I said, this can be for men, fathers, and it can be for women. I'm speaking preferably to fathers this morning, but it's for everybody. So in life, you hear these stories when you're growing up, especially if you're in a situation maybe where the father was present or he was not a good father or he wasn't present. Maybe he wasn't the greatest person, didn't have, wasn't a good role model. You'll never be anything. You'll be just like your father. You won't make it to college. You're going to fall, you know, you're going to be unsuccessful. Have you heard those words? But you know what? That's what happens sometimes and why we see what we see because those words start to permeate the spirits. And then what happens is you just say, well, I'm not going to be anything. So you start to follow the path of I'm not going to be anything. I might as well go ahead and, you know, start stealing. I might as well go ahead and start, you know, murdering. I might as well go ahead and start making babies and walk away. That's what my daddy did, right? And, you know, there were a lot of people that had that spoken to them, but they took the initiative to do something different. You know, I um, went on the Internet. It was a great thing. And I started looking at some people who came from some of those same kinds of backgrounds, and these are people that you've heard of. But they didn't allow their circumstances to impact their future. Kevin Hart, how many have heard of him? He was raised by a single mother. His father was a cocaine addict, and he was in and out of jail most of his childhood. But Kevin Hart is not like that. So Kevin Hart did not allow the bad to impact his good. Shaquille O'Neal, how many have heard of him? That's right. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal didn't even have a father. But Shaquille O'Neal is a millionaire to this day. He grew up, he's been a role model to many. He wasn't in and out of jail. He could have very easily done that. He could have not minded his mother. He could have done anything 
that he chose to do outside of good. But Shaquille grew up, and he grew, out, he grew up to be a role model. Actually, he threw in a couple of women, Holly Berry and Mary J. Blige. Both of them were abandoned by their dads at age four. How about this one? Bill Clinton, he lost his dad in an accident three months before he was born. Did anybody know that? And he turned out to be the president of the United States of America. Now, Bill Clinton could have done something different. He could have taken a whole nother direction. Jamie Foxx, he was abandoned by both his parents and raised by grandparents who were foster grandparents. Samuel Jackson, he only met his father twice in his whole life. See, I'm just giving you examples. It's going to get better, I promise. Alex Rodriguez, he was abandoned by his father when he was eight. Malcolm X, raised in an orphanage in foster care. Barack Obama, he met his father and spent one month with him at age 10, and that's the only amount of time he's ever spent with his dad, president of the United States. And this is, and these are, there are many, 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 many more. Dr. Ben Carson, raised by his mother who had a third grade education. She was so determined to see her boy succeed that she did everything she could. They never even knew that she couldn't read. Yet and still, he has been managed to go through school, to become a neurosurgeon, to, to make inroads into surgery that other doctors never did. He was the first, right, to separate conjoined twins. So I just gave you a snippet. All these people had one thing in common. No dad or the very least of a presence of a dad in the home. But you know what they did have? They had a heavenly father. See, that, that's what this is about. This is about a heavenly father. See, he brought it up. He was already hitting on my message. He didn't realize it. We have a heavenly father. We don't have to have a dad in the home. It's wonderful if we have a, he a, a, a physical dad in the home, a, an earthly dad in the home. But we all have a heavenly father who can look over us, who can care for us, who can provide for us. And we don't have to take bad of anything and do bad with it in life. We can be good because we've got that father who's always looking out for us. Always looking out for us. As it is today, so it was in the Bible. See, we had King David. Everybody always is here about King David, and he was, oh, the man after God's own, own image. And yes, he was. He was a man after God's own heart. But King David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. <laughs> yeah, he had some other stuff going on too. 
<laughs> he was a betrayal, a betrayer. Let me get that right. He was not a good role model for his children. His son tried to kill him. Or try, well, he tried to have somebody kill him. But yet and still, God still loved him. King David was considered good in God's eyes, but he was bad. <laughs> he was bad. He took the guy's wife, Uriah's wife, you know, <laughs> sent somebody out there to put him on the front line right. <laughs> so he'll die because yeah. I want his wife. Got her pregnant. <laughs> because that's what he wanted. But from his lineage came Jesus. See, something good came from something bad. Something good came from something bad. Bad. There was another situation, King Hezekiah. Hezekiah's dad was Isaiah. Oh, he was a bad one. <laughs> I mean, bad. He did some things. He was making deals with the um, Assyrians. And the Assyrians were enemies of the Israelis. And he was, I mean, you know, and the Israelis are supposed to be God's chosen people. He was out there making deals with them. He was uh, worshiping idols. I mean, he was doing all kind of horrible things. But he, he had a son, Hezekiah. Hezekiah could have very easily followed in his dad's footsteps. But Hezekiah made a decision. See, it's all about choices in this life. If we decide that we want to do bad, we can very easily do bad. But if we decide we want to do good, it's a little bit harder. Because, see, the enemy is going to do everything he can to stop you from doing good. Because he wants, uh, he wants you to be a part of his army. He doesn't want you to be a part of God's army. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you from doing good. But Hezekiah made a decision that he wanted to follow God. So what Hezekiah did was he overturned everything. He, got, he, he, he tried to make it right with God. He tried to make it right so that they weren't worshiping idols. He tried to bring peace back to Israel. And, you know, Hezekiah was also a part of David's lineage. So all that was bad was being turned around for good. Can bad, can good come 
from bad? Can anything good come from bad? Asa. Anybody know about Asa? He was Solomon's great-grandson. Asa wasn't necessarily that good. He started off good. <laughs> How often does that happen to us? Sometimes we start off good and we've got great intentions. And then those great intentions, we get greedy. We get prideful. That's what's happening to some of these ministers today. We start off good. We start off small. I promise you it'll never happen here. I promise you. I promise you. But they start off small and they start to build and build. And what ends up happening is people put pastors on pedestals. And instead of pushing them down and saying, we're not going to be on a pedestal. They allow themselves to start to feel like, yeah, they get full of themselves. That's what it is. My mama say you start to smell yourself. And that sometimes you don't smell too good. And when it starts to smell bad is when they start to elevate themselves over God when God is not elevating them. See, that's when it starts to smell bad. It's not a sweet fragrance anymore. So see, what happens is the churches start to grow. The money starts to roll in. Pride kicks in. And the next thing you know, they're not really good anymore because they start changing their focus. And their focus no longer is on God like it used to be. The focus starts to be on men. How many people do I have in the church today? How much money is coming in today? Right? So then it becomes an issue of money. The church starts to become a business. Now, it has to be operated as a business because we got to keep the lights and stuff on. But it starts to become a business because then it's like, okay, how much am I getting in? What car can I buy this week? So we have to keep in mind, saints, that we can't allow pride to puff us up. We've got to make sure that we remain humble. It's very important. It's very important. So Asa, let's get back to him. He started off great. But, and, and, and what ended up happening is he made a mistake late in his reign. He started taking matters, like I said, into his own hands. See, he, he, he strayed away from God. He failed to consult God regarding some negotiations that were going on with Ben-Hadadad. <laughs> I think I said that right. And his heart became hard and unrepentant. But you know what? God still honored his legacy. 
See, that's why we have such a loving and amazing God. Hallelujah. Such a loving and amazing God. See, it doesn't matter what you do, saints. See, he, you can start off bad. You can turn good. You can go back bad. But God is always going to be there. He's always going to love you. He is always going to be there to pick you up. It doesn't matter. And that is what's so great about God. He will accept your repentance. He will allow you to say, Lord, I'm sorry. The thing about repentance is you just can't turn around and go back and do the same thing. See, that's true repentance. To say I'm sorry and to turn around and to do the same thing is not repentance. That's just saying I'm sorry I got caught. But God is a, is a loving and sovereign God. And I so am so thankful that he is full of grace and mercy. Because, see, he did that for me. If he hadn't done that for me, I wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't even know this man. If he hadn't done that for me, I don't know where I would be today. That's what last night, you know, that's another thing. I was on my face saying, God, thank you. Because I don't know where I would have been today if it hadn't been for you saving me. See, I lived in Los Angeles, California. I was married before this man. I was married to someone that wasn't even a, a Christian. I can't say I was much of one myself at the time. But, but I was involved in things that I shouldn't have been involved in. I could have been on the streets. I could have been a prostitute. I could have ended up living in a car. I could have ended up on, in a, in a, I could have ended up dead. Because I was doing things that put me out in a place that if God hadn't had his hand on me, I would not be here today. Out on the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get money so I could buy crack cocaine. How ridiculous is that? My parents, my daughter didn't even know that. My parents didn't know that. My daddy was on his knees praying for me. But God. But I have a daughter who has been good, who has given her life to Christ, who has done all the right things. Can good come from bad? Hallelujah, yes it can. Yes it can. Because God looked out for me, I was able to turn my life around. So that I could produce something that is good. So that our legacy will live. I know what he can do. I know what he can do. My daddy. God rest him. My dad. And some of you may know him. Was an awesome man of God. When he died. 
But there was a time in his life when he was considered the godfather. And my father was a gun-toting, mean man. And he would take you out. He was a womanizer. And you know what's interesting is he did all that. He was never really into drinking and stuff like that. But he loved the women. And they loved him. Because he was fine. In his day, my daddy was some fine. Loved to dress, you know. And, oh, he had that nice, pretty brown skin and that pretty hair. Oh, yeah, he was something else in his day. And he knew it. So, you know, my, my dad, he, he messed around. He, and he was so mean, he, he abused a couple of his wives. But you know what? But God. See, he got saved. I mean, he got gloriously saved. See, as I was growing up, my dad always loved me. But he was not always there. Here's the thing, saints. Don't use where you come from as an excuse to where you're going. You can't do that. And that's what people do today. Oh, my daddy beat my mama, so I'm going to beat my mom, my, my, my wife. Oh, my daddy used drugs, so I might as well be a drug addict. Right? No, not right. So I used some of those excuses. But praise God, I was able to turn it around. With his help. But what I, what I realized is that there are some things that you can do. And, you know, I want to make this simple, so I'm going to give you three things. It's surrender, submit, and seek. I'm going to do like my husband. I'm going to give you everything starts with the same letter because it makes it simple. You know, surrender. And, you know, you say, well, some of those sound like the same thing. Yeah, they're kind of like the same thing. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to explain the differences. When you surrender, surrender is a battle term for all those who have been in the military, right? And it means that you are giving up all rights to the conqueror. In this case, who's the conqueror? Jesus. He's the conqueror. So when one surrenders, that means you're laying down your arms. See, you're laying down everything. So you got to surrender first. When you surrender, that means you're opening yourself up. God can do what he needs to do. If you don't surrender, though, he can't get in. He can't do what he needs to do. We're telling him 
that we're no longer in control. We're giving him complete control. See, and when you do that, see, God knows, according to Jeremiah 29 11, he knows the plans he has. But until you surrender, he can't use those plans. See, you got it. You got it. Okay. Okay, it's like a builder. Thank you, Lord. A builder, an architect. He's got the plans. But he can't do anything with those plans until you provide him with the finances to do it. Amen. So the plans are there. They're set. They're ready to go. But until you say you give him the okay to do it and the finances to make it possible, there's nothing he can do. Okay, so it's the same thing. When you allow yourself and you surrender to God, that's like giving him the finances and, and, the, and the, to be able to do what he needs to do in your life. Amen. There are different levels of surrendering. One, first you got to surrender. That's the initial level. The next one, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's a deeper level of surrendering. Now, you can surrender. You can ask God into your heart. You can, and that's being saved. You can be saved. And guess what? You don't have to go any farther. But that's that ain't nothing but surface. That's not going to get you a true, deep relationship. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you don't go farther, it's going to be real easy for the enemy to snatch you right back. Because you're not rooted. It's like when you first plant a brand new plant and you put it in the dirt. You can very easily just pluck it right back out because it hasn't had an opportunity to root itself. And that's what the initial stage of surrendering is like. It's like just putting that plant, just sticking it down into some dirt, and it hasn't had an opportunity to root. So it, it hasn't grabbed a hold. So see, the Holy Spirit hasn't grabbed a hold of you yet. It's being filled. You could go to Ephesians 5.18. I'm just going to give you some scripture references. Or Galatians 5.22. You know, Galatians 5.22 is about the fruit of the Spirit. So, see, you can't get all of that if you just stop. And the fruit of the Spirit, you, I mean, that's how you, that's a part of being filled, infilled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The other level is the denying of yourself in Galatians 2.20. You have to deny yourself a part of laying yourself down and surrendering and allowing God to fill you, you know, being crucified with Christ. And he put it up on there. I didn't bring my Bible up here with me. He says, because it's too big. <laughs> it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, he talked about it this morning. There's nobody else that gave himself for us like that. 
He, di- he died, but not only did he die, but he rose again. Nobody can do that. Man can't do that. So we talked about surrender. So surrendering. Three levels. Your initial level of surrender. The second level of surrender is being filled. And if you want to go deeper, it's about denying yourself. So submit. After you surrender, submitting means to give up your rights and your free will to be controlled. Now, does that sound like the same thing? It is sort of the same thing. But as Christians, we're commanded to live a life of submission to those who are in governing authority. So that's a little bit of the difference. So now we're talking about submitting to authority. See, the first thing is you're just saying, okay, I surrender. I'm, I'm, you won. Lord, I can't do it anymore on my own. You won. I'm surrendering. Now I'm submitting to your authority. See, you see the difference? And I know, you know, there's all these scriptures. You got different scriptures. Some is about submitting to authority and governing authorities. And then you got the, the scriptures about wives submitting to their husbands. And then people always seem to forget the part about husbands submit to your wives. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. Yeah, they always seem how seem forget that part. And then you got women coming up. Well, they said I'm supposed to submit to my husband. And that means I got to do everything he tells me to do. No. <laughs> Especially if he is not following Christ. Isn't that right, Kim? So it says as he submits to Christ. So if he is not submitting to Christ, then you really don't have to submit to him. Send him on over and say, hey, hit the road, Jack. Because that is what submission is about. You have to, the man, if he is not following Christ, does not deserve your submission. But that wasn't the submission I was talking about. Uh, I know it sounded good, though, didn't it? Yeah, somebody did. But according to Romans 13, 1 and 2, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God because whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment, since the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. See, our first obligation is to be submitted to God. And if you submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, then that makes it easier for the devil to flee. Because it says, the word says, submit yourselves to God. Resist 
the devil. So it doesn't say submit yourselves to God and the devil will flee. There's something else in there. It says resist, I mean, excuse me, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. That means you have to do something before the devil's going to leave you alone. Can anything good come from bad? Yes, but you have something that you have to do. Resist. And then the devil will flee. Amen. Seek is the other, the last one. And this is, I touched a little bit on this, is one of the great obstacles in seeking God is our pride. It gets in the way. In Psalm 10:4, it says, in the pride of his face, the wicked do not seek him. So what happens is, right, that's what we're talking about. So you get prideful, and you don't need God anymore. You need you. Or at least that's what you think. You become your God. And so you don't seek God because you're depending on you. And maybe what everyone else is telling you. Oh, pastor. You preach good today. And see, (laughs) he gives God no glory. He takes it all for himself. And next thing you know, he gets a little bit higher. Ooh, Tim, you sure do look good today. You're smelling good. You're, You're just getting real successful, aren't you? And he just takes it all in. And it all becomes about him, right? But do you see what happens? We start to take those things in. And every time we take something in, instead of glorifying God, it becomes all about us. And it becomes really, really difficult. The wicked start to seek God. I mean, excuse me, stop seeking God. And when you do that, it's very difficult to be in his presence because when you seek God, the whole idea of seeking God is to become, to get in his presence. That's what seeking God is about, is to get into his presence. So I'm going to ask you again, can any good thing come from bad? Well, I'm going to give you one more great example. Over 2,000 years ago, (laughs) this same question was asked by Nathaniel. And I'm going back to my original scripture. And Nathaniel asked, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Nazareth was a mean place. It was despised by its neighbors. The Galileans themselves didn't like it. It was miserable, a place that you could hardly think of any sort of good thing, even any good worldly thing could come out of there. It was so wicked. 
It had murderous designs upon it. It was just horrible. Nobody thought any good thing could come out of Nazareth, but thank you, Lord, Lord, Lord. Jesus, our Messiah. Nobody ever thought, but we had the best thing ever. Came out of Nazareth, and it was our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come from anything bad? Well, let me tell you, Nazareth created something good, and it was our Lord. Hallelujah. You know, he is the father of the fatherless. He's the friend to the friendless. He is Abba. He is Daddy. He's the one we need when we are powerless. He's the one we need when we need somebody's shoulder to cry on. He's the one we need when we need a healing. He's the one we need when we have are in tears and don't know what to do. He's the one we need when we are in a financial bind. He's the one we need when we don't know what to do. He's the one. We cry out to him. He's the one. He's the one. He came from something bad. He died for you. He hung on that bloody cross for you. He's the one that allows us to have salvation so that you can live, so that you can be saved, so that you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Had it not been for him, where would you be? Where would you be? Where would you be? Many of you came from situations where there was no dad. Or you had a dad and he was drunk. Or you had a dad and he beat you unnecessarily. Or you had a dad who abused you. See, I came from a situation like that. I had an abusive stepfather. But praise God, I told you something good can come from something bad. My point here today, saints, is that if you found yourself in any of those situations if you feel today that maybe you just feel like you're just not there yet or that you feel you're not good enough look at me I'm not good enough but God allows something good to come from something bad and if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If he can take someone like me who contemplated prostitution one day in her life just because I needed some money, he can do it for you. If he can turn my life around, he can do it for you. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web 
at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.